This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 18 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network, presented by Equestrian Life. Exclusive coverage of the world of dressage. We would like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Life. They can be found at equestrianlife.com and Kentucky Performance Products. They can be found online at kppusa.com. This is Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Heather Blitz in Esperg, Denmark. And you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show presented by Equestrian Life. Hi, Heather. Hi, Chris. How are you doing today? I'm doing just great. Thank you. Yeah, it's wonderful fall season over here in Kentucky and, and we're loving it. You know, temperatures are perfect. Uh, good riding weather. Well, that's always a plus. I think we have a, pretty much the same thing here. Just uh, can't get enough of how nice it is out these days. Well, we've got a pretty good show lined up this week. I know you were uh, on tour when we had Edward Gall on the show, uh, but we've got the second best on the show today. Uh, um, that's going to be Adelinda Cornellinson. You know, she was a silver medalist at the European Championship, so she's going to be joining us today to talk about her career and uh, her rise to the you know, top of the leaderboard these days with that wonderful partner of hers, Parsifal. So really looking forward to talking to her, Heather. Yeah, that's really exciting. I just I can't wait to hear uh, to hear from her today. I think that's going to be uh, just super. I don't know anything about her yet, and I'm sure she'll fill us all in. So yeah, looking forward a, to that. It's a wonderful story, apparently. So very much looking forward to that, and it's just great to see these emerging stars in the sport. So uh, that'll be really exciting. And uh, I know you have one too over there, don't you? And uh, we should mention to our listeners that uh, you have some breaking news too, don't you? Well, I do. I've recently decided that I am going to um, move back to the United States and uh, I'll be starting with uh, the there to start with and then go after that. I'm not sure yet, but I'm really excited about that so far that um, at least I've made the decision to leave um, Denmark after three years here and um, start up again in the U.S. So I'm very excited. Well, that'll be very exciting. We'll be watching your uh, your career with interest, of course. But uh, for now, we've got some items of news to get to here on the show, Heather. And one very interesting news story that's come out of Europe, uh, something called the European Equestrian Forum. Um, I just heard about this uh, last week. Apparently, it's a brand new forum of 40 European countries that have decided to merge into this uh, group and the goal of the organization is to support a bigger European influence in the global equestrian sport and <clears throat> that decision was made at a meeting in Antwerp, Belgium where those groups got together, divided into two groups by the FEI and agreed upon uh, this fusion between the European Equestrian Forum, the Danish Equestrian Federation uh, president called it an historic moment it'll be very interesting to see what they do Heather and I had not heard anything at all about this until I read this article well, I can't say that I have either. I haven't really had my um, ear to the ground about that, so um, I'm I'm going to be interested to see what it has to do with and what they plan on doing, which I'm sure they're sort of at the beginning of this um, formation, so we all will be waiting to see what they what they do with it. 
Very interesting, and we will keep you posted here on uh, the Dressage Radio Show, of course. And another item of breaking news uh, comes out of Europe. Um, a British-based but Finnish rider, Kara Kirkland, she's actually retiring her longtime partner, Max. A wonderful, wonderful partner that ship they've had. I think they'd uh, uh, got 33. They've got on the leaderboard on, on the. Uh, Rankings 33 times out of 35 outings, which is pretty impressive, isn't it, uh, for an international career, Heather? Yeah, pretty impressive, pretty rare, yeah, <laughs> I have to say. Yeah, so we wish wish him well. He's going to enjoy a happy retirement. Kira was keen to point, point out that she's going to continue riding him at home. He's, uh, he's just turned 14, a Swedish warm-blood gelding who belongs to Yvette Kahn. And uh, they're going to give him a very peaceful retirement. But she's going to carry on riding him. She'll do demonstrations and that kind of thing. So good luck uh, to Max in his retirement. What a wonderful servant he has been to the sport. And uh, I'm sure Kira will be back with another uh, prospect. She said she's got a few back in the barn there. So she's not going to be retiring anytime soon. Well, I, I just am really proud of them for making that decision. I mean, he has been out there for a, a strong Grand Prix career, and he's done just fantastic. And, you know, what a nice thing to do for him that he he's not retiring because he has to, but because he can, and they're doing that for his life to, to be a little easier. And it's such a strenuous thing for them to be on that kind of a tour. So I, I just think it's great that they've done that in his best interest. Um, he's still a very happy horse and he has another sort of career ahead of him and I, I'm really happy for him and, and um, both Kira um, and his owner too so I, I think it's super Wonderful to, to uh, you know, conclude a, a career on a good note and as Kira said she likes happy endings so, and I, as, you, as you say, you know, when a horse has been such a good servant for so long you know, very often you know, we wait until really is the end of their career and retire them. Uh, but like this, as you say, he's he's got many good years left in him. Yeah, so he didn't have to retire, but he no. gets to. And yeah. so that's that's. I'm just uh, really proud of them for making that decision. Yeah, that's wonderful. So um, that's our news for this episode. Um, but don't go away. We're going to hear from our sponsor. But um, up next, we're going to listen to uh, an interview with um, Adeline Cornelson. It is fantastic to have our friends at Equestrian Life as the title sponsors for the Dressage Radio Show. If you have not been to Equestrian Life yet, you need to go. In addition to being the official social community for the Horse Radio Network, it is one of the fastest-growing horse communities on the Internet. It is truly the Facebook for horse people. The goal of EquestrianLife.com is to bring equestrians together and to provide them with the breadth and depth of information and tools they need to learn and connect with other horse lovers who share the same passion. EquestrianLife.com is a fun, inviting website that strives to provide its members with a world-class experience that fosters the expression of all the ways people enjoy their horses and the people who are part of the horse world. EquestrianLife.com's social media platform provides users with cutting-edge applications and tools, such as people in horse profiles, social Q&A, status updates, messaging, photo uploading, groups, comments, blogs, expert high-definition videos, directories, birthday reminders, alerts, messaging, and on and on and on, in addition to their partnership with the Horse Radio Network. This community is designed by horse people for horse people and is filled with educational and entertaining video and audio all about our horses. 
Right on over to Equestrian Life today. Sign up for free and tell all of your friends. If you love horses, equestrianlife.com is the place to be. Well, thanks to our sponsor, and uh, we're really looking forward to our guest this week, Adelinda Cornellinson uh, from the Netherlands. She partners that wonderful horse, Parsifal, and who, who was tremendously successful at the European Championships. Those of you who have been following the sport closely will know that uh, she was second in the Grand Prix at the European Championships in Windsor, England, last month with Parsifal on a score of 80.638. And the following day, she went on to win the Grand Prix Special on a score of 80.042. Uh, again, wonderful scores in the 80s there. But she went even better for the Kerr. And on the day that she, she finished a reserve champion to uh, and a silver medalist uh, to Edward, she actually scored 87.35. So absolutely amazing scores there. Um, just got better and better. And... Uh, we're really excited to be welcoming Adeline onto the show to hear about her partnership and her career with uh, Parsifal. Well, Adelinda, welcome to the Dressage Radio Show, and thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. It's great to hear from you now. You're at home in the Netherlands, right? That's right, yeah. And we've got Heather, of course, uh, in, in Denmark. So it's a three-way conversation here across pan, pan, pan the world. It's amazing what we can do with technology. We're so excited to have you on the call. All right. Thank well, you. Well, Adelaide, the first thing we have to do is congratulate you on your amazing success at the European Championships. What a wonderful, wonderful story. Well, yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, I was really pleased with it, of course. And, well, I didn't expect it. But, yeah, it's always good. Uh, well, the pretty impressive scores that just seem to get better and better. You, you started off second in the Team Grand Prix event, uh, and, then, and then you won the Grand Prix Special, and, mm-hmm. and then you just rocketed to uh, uh, the silver medal position in the Kerr with that wonderful score over 87, uh, which uh, it, that has to be a personal best for you, right? Definitely, definitely. My freestyle, I think... The, my former personal best was like 5% lower, so yeah, 5% higher score is enormous, it's good, yeah. So uh, this is something, of course, Heather, you all dressage riders aspire to, so when you see that kind of score, you think, okay, that's my target? Well, yeah, I think most of us uh, are thinking that that's sort of just a dream score to go for. But, I mean, she's proving us wrong if <laughs> it's uh, possible. But you've got to be a super rider like you and have a super horse like yours. And what else has it taken for you to get to that point, Adelinda? Oh, well, just, like, some really hard work. That's about it, I guess. Just training every day and, like, yeah, give your best shot. And that's all I could do. Well, let's uh, let's go back a little bit to introduce you to our audience here, Adelinda. How did you start riding in the first place, and what uh, persuaded you to specialize in dressage? Actually, I started riding, well, actually at the age of, I don't know, four, I think. My mom and dad have this little piece of land. They don't have anything with horses, but they actually um, rented some Shetland ponies. And I, of course, liked them, and that was only for during winter time. And I liked them. And after winter time, they had to go back. And then, well, I insisted on having my own pony. And then my parents figured, well, that 
could be okay, but then first start writing at a writing school for a year. So I had to prove I really, really liked it. And then after this year, I got my own pony. And that's actually how it started out. And then in the beginning, I did like everything, dressage, jumping, three days, venting, everything I did. And then only up to Parzival, I started riding dressage because Parzival was, well, let's say not the easiest in the beginning. And I had not even control in dressage, so not even thinking about jumping then. So, yeah, and then it went really, really good. And then I didn't switch to jumping anymore. So where did you grow up in, in the Netherlands, Adelinda? I live up in the north in Bijlen, it's called. It's a little village. It's in the north of Holland. And so what, was horses in the family? Was this something that uh, other members of your family did? So you thought you would give it a go? Nope. None of my, not my mom, not my dad. They don't have anything with horses. They just have this little house and with a little, well, let's say it's sort of a big garden. <laughs> and then just like this little piece of grass and we just had a pony on it so while you were growing up you obviously going through school um what what kind of things were you doing you were doing eventing you were you were doing jumping you were doing you said how to go at everything yeah yeah i liked it all actually and i still do because but the only thing is well part of all doesn't jump so (laughs) i don't know why i can do it So, Adeline, do you um, make then your living with the horses, or do you have another job and you do this um, aside from that, or are you a professional in teaching and training other horses and, and that sort of thing, too? Yeah, actually, since last year, March, um, I do this professionally. Uh, before that, I used to be a teacher at school, um, and yeah, last year, March, I came into the Olympic squad, and then, well, at school so then I had to choose which was not really hard though <laughs> so so I understand you spent some time in Canada which was why your English is flawless Adelinda sorry again can you hear me okay sometimes fall Adelinda can you hear me okay yeah that's better I just had a bit of problem Bit of problem there hearing you too. Uh, me too. Um, yeah. Let's see if it will pass. We'll try again. I, the question question was that um, your English is flawless. I understood you you spent some time in Canada. That's right. Yeah. I actually after my high school, I didn't know what I wanted to study, and then yeah, I went to Canada for a year, and that's actually where I learned my English. So, so were you riding when you were in Canada? Yeah, because, well, before I went to Canada, I did one year of university. I studied English. I don't know why. It's just I figured it was a kind of handy language to be able to speak. But then at university here, I didn't get to learn to speak English. But then I, well, the only thing we did was have lectures for like three hours, how to pronounce a vowel and how to move your tongue to pronounce a vowel correctly. So I figured it was kind of boring. And then after this one year of university, I got the opportunity to go to Canada and work on a barn there with horses. And I figured, well, that's like the perfect combination, working with horses and learning my English. So so off we went. Where exactly were you in in Canada? In Woodstock, near Toronto, Ontario. Oh, okay. So was that then just uh, dressage you were focusing on during that time? 
no, it was actually a little bit of both, a little bit more dressage than jumping, but I did um I didn't do any jumping shows, but I had to ride actually what they did was buy horses here in Holland and then um import them into Canada and then I had to train them and then they well most of them were sold to America. So I did dressage as well as jumping there. And so when you got back to uh, the Netherlands, you got home, and tell us the story from there. How did you, first of all, find Parsifal? What's his story? <laughs> oh, well, that's, um, yeah, that's a different story. I came back from Canada, and then the owner of Parsifal, uh, Hank Koers, he actually came up to me, and he said, well, I have this horse, and um, there are some buyers, and this weekend, or like coming weekend, they were kind of, come and well he had nobody to show him off to ride him and for those buyers so nobody wanted to ride him but I didn't know that I didn't know how hard he was to ride because I just came back from Canada I hadn't heard all the stories about him so and then he asked me to ride him I was like yeah sure why not so but then they were coming I don't know on Saturday I think and then on, I said well I, I want to ride him the day before because I want to know what he can do and what heck, what I can show with him right so then I got on well first of all getting on was a little bit of a problem because he was kind of spooky and well once I got on I had to stay on because he was just flying from one corner to the next and then he spooked from something turned around and ran the other way and then spook again run back again and then that was about the first time <laughs> the only thing I could do was just stay on and try to stay on did so then did it sort of go better from that day forward or did you stay in a in a sort of a drawn out phase of getting to know how to control this horse yeah well it was pretty hard the first year and then especially because he was so afraid he was afraid of like anything that would be around him and and also other horses he was afraid of so well the first couple of shows were kind of a disaster I guess the only thing I did was just turn around and then before I had well I, I entered at A then I turned around about six times and I had to halt at X and salute and then I had to proceed forward but then I turned around a couple more times and then at C I had to go <laughs> left or right and then I had to do all the rest of the test so in the beginning I think I started off with scores like 40% or something it was like really really bad but then yeah it took me a year I took him uh, to a show every weekend just to get him to get used to everything around him and then in between we worked on getting more and more control and then yeah, well, it's getting better. And how, how old was yeah. he then, um, Adelinda? Uh, he was five years old, so that would have been seven years ago. So I would have been 22. Uh-huh. 23, sorry. <laughs> uh, and, and so you got off to a very interesting start, but you obviously persevered um, because you've brought him through the ranks. You really caught the, the attention of the selectors here now and... Uh, I know many of our listeners will remember that you made it to the World Cup finals earlier this year, only to be struck with some bad luck. Tell us how that went. Yeah, actually, uh, during the qualifiers, I won three in a row in uh, Stockholm, in London, and in Mechelen. And then um, in Amsterdam, he kind of spooked and turned around again, which is like his old trick. And then in Den Bosch, we ended up second, which is really good. And then, well, I figured I was coming to Las Vegas and really do my best there. But then I guess 
in the airplane already. He sort of, I don't know what happened, but like his check ligament got injured. So we were in Las Vegas and we weren't able to ride. So, yeah, too bad. Yeah, major disappointment for you. Um, that, that that must have you know must have been really worried about the long term effect that injury was going to have on him, Adelinda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Because in the beginning, well, of course we scanned him and then they figured it was the tendons. So I figured, oh yeah, that's gonna take forever. But then I came back home and then Jan Greve, my veterinarian, he said, well, it's just a check ligament, which also needs, of course, rest. But then it's not going to take that long. So, yeah, and then I tried to focus on the European Championships, see if I could make that. And then, well, of course, I couldn't uh, ride all the tryouts here. But uh, I had to ride in Hickstat and I had to show that I was in shape again. And I did. So then I could make the team for the European Championships just in time. So who do you train with, Adeline, and what's a typical week for you? Um, I actually train with uh, Chef Janssen, but he's on the other side of Holland, so that will be like a two-and-a-half-hour drive up there. So I only go there like uh, once every two weeks, but then I stay two days. And for the rest, I train just by myself. And actually, in the mornings, I train horses up till 2 o'clock, I think, from 7.30 till 2. And then from 2 till, I don't know, till, well, I just came home. So I teach riding lessons. So the other horses that you ride up until 2 o'clock, are, are those your horses? Or are they other people's horses that you train for them? Other people's horses, actually. Um, and they're actually a lot younger. They're like 7- and 8-year-old. They're doing pretty good, but they still have some things to learn, of course. So you don't have any of your own horses, younger horses of your own coming up to follow along behind Parcival? I do have two by Jazz, but they're only four- and five-year-old, so it's going to take a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's nice to have those coming along behind you, but you've got such tremendous prospects here now with Parzival. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. I mean, coming into the, uh, the European Championships, that's a big deal, Adelinda, for any rider to be competing at a regional championships where, you know, against the best in Europe. How was your preparation and your state of mind? Do you get nervous when you get into a big competition like this? No, I never get nervous, which is actually, I think, one of my strongest points. Because, yeah, well, the only thing I do is, like, I train really hard and I try to have the best preparation. Because if you are well prepared, I think that's half the deal. And then, well, I just have to do my best. That's the only thing I can do, right? And I know what Parzival can do. I know he's really good. The only thing that I really have to work on is get him to stay concentrated on me and focus on me all the time and not on all the other exciting things around him. And if that's going to work, well, I know the exercises are no problem whatsoever. I'd be off in passage. Well, they say they are the hardest exercises, but I think for part of all, they're one of the easiest exercises. <laughs> well, you must obviously have ironed out all the wrinkles with him. You, you told us about how uh, interesting a start you got in your partnership with him and your first uh, dressage mm-hmm. test. What, what kind of... Um, uh, partnership do you have now in the sense of, you know, does he have any little quirks that you have to deal with in competition that he doesn't show at home these days now? And and what does he like to prepare at once you get to the show? In competition, he's 
he's perfect. He's like during the day in his stables, he's just sleeping all day. And then whenever I come and ride him, then, well, during warm-up and all that, he's okay. He's not like a little bit of problem. And then once you get into the ring, once you have to really show off, he's just going to get even better and better and better. So, yeah, he's really doing his best during shows. What kind of personality does he have? If, you, if he was a, a film star, who would you compare him to? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know. He's just very, very intelligent. Just, uh, I think he's like sort of Einstein or something. <laughs> he's very intelligent. <laughs> so he's, he's a little serious then, or would he have a sense of humor, or would he be more serious? I don't know. Just Yeah, he can be funny. He can be quite funny, but he definitely knows what he wants, and... Yeah, he has his huge manual of all things you have to know before you can even get on, like tacking up and all that. It's like, yeah, well, it's not the funniest things <laughs> thing to do. But once you get on, he's really good. And, so, yeah. he, so he has his little like characteristics then that he... he uh, Definitely, you- definitely. It took me it took me five years to get him to eat an apple, and only up to last year he <laughs> eats carrots. Like, what horse does not eat carrots? It's like, and sugar lambs, he just snores at it and just runs away. It's like really bad. <laughs> that's funny. So, Very particular horse. I know he is. He is. But I guess that's what makes him really a challenge, right? Yeah, That's makes, right. him Let's make him special. makes him a champion. And so what would his reward be after getting a score of 87 at a European Championship? What sort of treat would he look for? His reward? Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, he had a week of uh, vacation. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> that was it, was it? That was it. No, and no, now it- we're getting... Actually, he didn't even like that. He just likes to work. It's like whenever he ha- he doesn't have to do that much, he's just getting too much energy, so then I start working him again. Is it a horse that you can turn out in a paddock, Adelinda? Uh, normally I do, up till, well, actually up till April. He was just walking outside, but then, well, he got injured, and then I didn't dare to get him into the field right before the European Championship. So from April up to now, he hasn't been outside, but before that, yeah, every day. So when you got to the Europeans uh, last month with him, and you'd obviously you'd done your Grand Prix, so you got a sense of how he was feeling. Did you think you were going to get scores up in the high eighties? No, actually, before I start, I never think about scores. I just think about like the things I have to do for riding. Like I never think about percentages or or placings or whatever i just focus on my riding and that's it so yeah lots of people ask me if i expected this but well i don't know because i never go into a show with this sort of expectations so when you came to your final halt then at the end of that cur adelinda and you dropped the reins and you gave him a pat what was going through his mind and your minds what was your conversation with him when you left the ring well after the freestyle well, I was pretty happy, but then, well, the first half of my freestyle I was really happy with, but then the second half, well, I was a little bit ahead of your music, so I had to, like, slow him down all the time, so I was really satisfied with that. So I knew, uh, well, there would be somebody who was going to do better, and, and, of course, I knew Ed would, could do a lot better, so, 
yeah, I was satisfied with him, but then I knew there were some things that, I, well, I still have to work on. So uh, what do you think he said to you as you were riding him out? Well, actually, he was just, I don't know, I think he wasn't even paying attention to me anymore. Just whenever I go out of the arena, it's just the, all the audience and the, and everything around him that he's really focused on, <laughs> not me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, of course, you were uh, coming into the, well, the winter here now and the World Cup qualifiers ahead of us. Are you going to be looking at World Cup qualifiers this year of the winter, Adeline? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to ride um, uh, Stockholm, London, Mechelen again, and then Amsterdam. And I hope, of course, that I can qualify for the finals again. And then I hope I can really ride the finals. That would be nice. <laughs> so to, to ride it the way you want to. That's right. Well, that's a very exciting prospect, uh, Heather. I must be envied when you have, for any dressage rider, to have a horse of this caliber. Well, I just uh, am so excited for her and uh, envious, of course. <laughs> we all would be of that uh, kind of performance and that kind of partnership. But um, just something more to aspire to. We'll just leave it in that category. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're certainly looking forward to seeing you over here in Kentucky for the World Equestrian Games. We have uh, fingers and toes crossed that all your training will go according to plan and your competition schedule, and you'll find yourself on the team for the World Equestrian Games, Adelinda. I hope I can make it to the team and I'll do my best and we'll see. Well, we're very much looking forward to it and uh, we wish you all the very best of luck and thank you so much for spending time with us today, Adelinda. Good luck with Parcival. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, what a wonderful story, Heather. Um, just a delight and wonderful to have new talent coming up with such marvelous prospects for not just for uh, the country but for the world. Yeah, we know what a strong uh, pair they are and, and future that they have, the two of them and everything else she's got to ride ahead of her too. So it's uh, wonderful to hear from Adeline. All right, well, we're going to take a short break here uh, for a commercial, and then when we come back, we're going to hear Heather's training tip of the week. Well, if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we talk a lot about Kentucky Performance Products, and that's because they are a name you can trust to give you the most value for your supplement money. Kentucky Performance Products offer supplements designed to target specific problems and are made with high-quality ingredients included at effective levels. The company's supplements are intended to complement, not compete, with your dressage horse's current feeding program, guarding against over-supplementation, and each product is backed by sound research and the money-back satisfaction guarantee. And today, we'd like to talk to you about Nalox, the original equine antacid. It's recommended by veterinarians and leading horsemen as a way of maintaining a healthy stomach, which reduces the risk of ulcers. Nalox can be given daily to horses exposed to stressful conditions or as needed when shipping, competing, or during stall confinement. You know, you can learn about Nalox and all the products at Kentucky Performance Products at KPP. USA.com. That's Kentucky Performance Products at KPPUSA.com. All right, Heather, it's your turn. You're up with your training tip. What have you got for us this week? Well, I have something that sort of came up um, again quite often in the, in the last uh, clinic tour that I did in the U.S. And it had a lot to do with. 
um, riders that don't uh, give the reins away enough or, you know, lighten the hand enough and release the rein enough. Um, and I think in, uh, one of the things that I try to test to see with riders who I can't quite get to have, you know, a loose enough rein or the too tight and too heavy in the hand is to have the rider try to um, test to see if just the fact that they give the rein is that a signal to the horse that it means for them to go faster or for them to um, accelerate at all. And I think many times it uh, they find out that it does, even though in some cases it's very subtle, some cases it's less subtle. Um, it can be a real problem, and it can be the reason that riders really end up not not giving enough. And, you know, when you want your horse to be more round, you're looking for them to be softer and more through, more round. They they have to have a moment of give in the rain for them to become more round. And I think um, another kind of mistake is that riders think that the horse will get round in the moment that they take the rain. Um, I think it's a lot more effective to get across to riders that it, it they give they, the horses give more roundness in the frame, more throughness in the frame in the moment that you give. So therefore, you've got to learn how to give the rain quite often. And I mean, there could be lots of reasons that riders don't give and. Um, you know, a very common one is riders that have a balance that relies too much on their hold on the rein and their own body isn't in enough self-carriage. And when they give the rein, then they have to basically change their own balance in order to do it. And then when they have the rein, their balance changes again to kind of buy into the fact that they've got a hold on the rein. But, um, you know, this idea that a lot of horses think as soon as you give the rein, it is more or less the signal to go faster is um, it's just a real interesting one. So I think a good way to test it is to take a transition, let's say, from trot into pretty promptly into halt. And once your horse establishes the halt, just give the rein completely away and I would say eight times out of ten, the horse will take a next step until uh, or before the rider actually says that from the leg that the horse should take the step. And I think even if they're, you know, sort of not that significant, but they are stepping, I think it does, it is significant. And the horse shouldn't make the decision to start moving more forward or accelerating simply because the horse or the rider opened the hand and gave the rein. Um, and I think with repetition uh, of trying this exercise, trot, halt, and then give the rein, if the horse takes a step before they're asked to, you should simply stop the horse again and give the rein until they learn to stay in the halt when you give the rein. Um, and I think when that can be accomplished or when the horse understands that, it's much easier then to give the rein also, say, after um, you know a normal half halt, which you might be riding around 10, 15 half halts in one 20-meter circle. So if after every half halt you have a moment of lightness and giving in the rain, um, you could just be encouraging that much more throughness, that much more softness and self-carriage, which is what we're all looking for after a half halt. So um sounds kind of simple, but when you kind of peel some layers off the onion and you look at what's you know kind of underlying why half halts don't come, quote, through. I think this is um, um, one of the reasons that, like I said, about eight times out of ten, if I tell my students to try it, 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 it's not, or it is the case that horses are thinking lack of reins is a signal to go. 
So um, kind of interesting, and I think it makes a big difference to the horses and to the riders, and, and fairly quickly with some repetition, it really makes a big difference in their eye faults. So that's kind of what um, I thought was important to, to use today as a training tip. Very good, Heather. Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, it's all about the sensitivity of what you're feeling in the hand and your independence of your seat too, isn't it? Well, yeah, and if the seat's not very independent, then that can be a big reason for um, having a hand that gets too strong, which would eventually, you know, cause stiffness or resistance in the horse also. So there has to be an independence between the rider's body and what's happening in their hand. I mean, that, that's got to be a baseline skill to uh, to accomplish first. So you can give the reins, you know, more or less whenever whenever you want to. You know, not just when the horse says it's okay, but whenever you want to give the rein, you should be able to. So the message here is don't use the reins to balance yourself. Develop an independent seat. That's right. That's Uh right. (laughs) Uh, Well, thank you, Heather, for that. Well, that uh, about wraps it up for this week's show. We... uh, well, you know, you can follow our show notes at dressageradio.com and send us your feedback. Always want to hear from you. Uh, you can leave a voicemail at 270-803-0025. And, of course, you know how to reach me, Chris, at horseradionetwork.com. Don't forget we have a Facebook fan page, too, which is also increasingly popular. And uh, if you subscribe to that uh, fan page, you'll get to know when the shows are posted. So take a look at that if you're on Facebook. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. We're having more and more fun with that. And <laughs> you can follow Heather and her clinics and uh, her plans on her website at heatherblitz.info. We would like to thank our sponsors, Equestrian Life and Kentucky Performance Products. Uh, they can be found at uh, kppusa.com and Equestrian Life, of course, at equestrianlife.com. They are our official social network of the Horse Radio Network. Well, Heather, uh, this is coming to the end of a show for you and the end of your um, st- stint as a guest host on the co-host on the Dressage Radio Show, and I know you're moving on to bigger plans now and busy times. And we just want to say how much we've enjoyed having you on the show. It's been so much fun, and your weekly tips and and Paragon's diary. And you know, we're still going to be following. We're not going to let you go completely because we're going to be following what <laughs> you're doing. Well, thanks so much, Chris, and it's been a really great experience, and I do hope that I can pop back in every now and then and, and say hi or add a bit if I if I can, but it is going to be quite a busy time for me coming up, and um, you know whether I would have the, my head together enough to do the show or not, probably not, So, um, but I wish you all the best, and like I said, I'll, I'll definitely pop back in every now and then if you'll still have me. Oh, you bet we will. We'll, we'll keep bugging you from time to time, but we will be following you for interest, and you know you're always welcome to come on the show whenever you can Heather but thanks again from uh, all of us here at the Horse Radio Network for to Heather for, for her uh, input these uh, past few weeks since we got the show launched it's been a great pleasure having you on board on the team and we wish you the very best of luck with your move back to the States here it'll be great to have you over here and, uh, and I can't wait to meet Paragon in person yes I can't wait for him to meet you in person <laughs> <laughs> alright well that about wraps it up for this week everybody Everybody, thanks a lot, and take care. Thanks for listening, and mind your riding.